book of Proverbs and chapter 4 um, as we uh, continue our study in the book of Proverbs. And tonight we want to look at the last section there in that chapter. But particularly verse 23, keep your heart with vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. He says there in verse 20, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them with you, within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes... Uh, look uh, directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Well, as I said at the, at the outset, this uh, section speaks of what we want to call the anatomy of discipleship. Uh, that means that the whole person is involved in following God. Paul speaks in Romans that uh, because of all that Jesus has done, we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord, holy and acceptable. That means every part of us. If every part of our body is made miraculously and wonderfully, as Psalm 139 describes, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, then it only stands to reason that we would use that body to glorify the one who made us. And we are capable of great things with the, the, the body that God has given, given to us and the manner in which he has created it. We think of the hand and, the, and its, its ability to move. And the way in which the fingers work in concert with the, the rest of the with the rest of the hand and the arm and and the, the 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 body is so incredibly made by God and so it's it's it stands to reason that we would employ all these things in the service of God and that we would watch over uh, these things as as instruments through that, that can be used for good but also can be used. For, uh, in a wrong way. And therefore, Paul says in Romans 6, present your body uh, as instruments, your members, that means the parts of your body, as instruments of righteousness unto God. I'm sure you're familiar with the, the children's song, Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Uh, or be careful little hands what you do, or little feet where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. And so on. And that little, that little ch children's song uh, is, is a very wise song. And it's really taken from the Bible. It's taken from the sentiments in, of, of the Bible. We, we just read that, in, sung it rather, in Psalm 119. Teach me your way, O Lord. Incline my heart. Cause my feet to walk in your paths. And so on. And so that's what the, 
writer of Proverbs is saying to his young son in this chapter. That the whole body must be oriented to constantly toward uh, uh, keeping God's law and being faithful to God. Sometimes we think it's just our heart or just our mind. But we can also, we, we shape our lives by our feet, where we go. By our hands, what we do. By our mouths, what we say. And our ears, what we hear. These are all conduits. And what ends up happening is they shape what takes place in the heart. And what takes place in the heart then finds expression in our hands, in our eyes, in our feet. And it's, so it's a circle, isn't it? It's a circle. So he starts off, and uh, well, we want to start off tonight with our key verse. In verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. The, the Levites were called to guard the temple precincts with their life. If anyone got in that weren't, wasn't supposed to be in there, they would answer with their lives. They, they were to protect the precincts of the temple because it, there were precious things going on there. There was the devotional life of the nation happening within those precincts. So if, for example, you remember when Nadab and Abihu offered up uh, uh, incense, unlawful incense to the Lord, and the Lord struck them dead. They were doing things in the house of the Lord they weren't supposed to be doing. And at other times in the na nation's history, uh, the, 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 the temple became defiled. And when the temple became defiled, that was it for the nation itself. And uh, so, the heart is like that. The heart of God where where our devotional exercises toward God takes place is something that has to be guarded with the same vigilance, with the same diligence. The heart here refers to the center of the inner life from which we do all our thinking and feeling and choosing. It's whatever we set our heart upon, that's where our lives gravitate toward. And so the Bible tells us, as, it, as we read there in uh, um, Matthew chapter 6, that we are to set our hearts on the things that are above. Um, uh, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt, uh, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so, our hearts, what we want, what we love, governs how we live our lives. I think that's, that's a fairly plain statement. It, it governs our lives. It governs our choices. And so, it, the Bible tells us here then, to guard your heart. For in guarding your heart, you are guarding the course that your life will take. In fact, it will determine whether you are saved or not. Where, where you will spend eternal life. So, it, it comes out of the heart. The Bible talks about the fact that we need to be given new hearts. 
that our hearts need to be changed. We need, for example, to have a, take a, that God would take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. In other words, a living heart. A heart that's living toward God. And so, he says, keep your heart. Guard your heart with all vigilance. Watch over it. Watch what comes into it. Watch what's governing it, and so on. Just as the, the physical heart is a, a, an organ which pumps blood to all the extremities of the body, from the heart, uh, it sends out blood to the fingers and the toes and the head and all different parts of the body. So, spiritually speaking as well, um, uh, it, this is also a, a, more, a most important aspect. Our hearts, our spiritual hearts, is that which determines what our hands will do, where our feet will go, what our minds are occupied with. And so good heart health. We talk about heart month. I can't remember which month is heart month. So many different months. But uh, we talk about heart month, don't we? Uh, giving special attention to the heart. We go to do checkups to see what our heart rate is, what our blood pressure is like. All of these things are indicators of our health, aren't they? What happens when you first are admitted to the hospital? On goes that little thing to get your pulse, and then, you know, the, the, the wraparound, I'm using very technical language, I know, the thing that wraps around your arm and the nurse squeezes it and get, takes your blood pressure, those are the first things that happen. What's your pulse? What's your blood pressure? Let's go from there. In other words, how is the old ticker working? And if you've got good blood pressure and good, um, a good uh, pulse, that's a good place to start. That's a favorable indicator of, 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 of where you start. You would think I went to Harvard for four years with all this medical jargon I'm throwing around tonight, but not really. Uh, <laughs> far from it. But this is what the psalmist is saying. He uses the idea of heart because our physical heart is so uh, 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 particular to us. And so he says that we are to keep it with all diligence. The Hebrew phrase is actually keeping, keep with all keeping. Keep it with all keeping. It implies really how difficult it is to keep the heart. And how dangerous it is, it is to neglect the heart. Again, if we go back to the physical aspect, that is also very true. John Flavel, a, a Puritan, he said, The heart is our worst part before we are born again, and the best part afterward. The eye of God is, and the eye of the Christian ought to be fixed upon it. Man looks at the heart, or rather, God looks at the heart. Not on the outward appearance. And so the Christian also ought to look upon the heart and not the outward things. But we get, the, we get it backwards. We're always looking at outward things. We, we govern our lives by what we see going on around us. But what we're really to do is to take stock of our hearts. What's the condition of my heart? And this is really a, 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 a physical checkup. Uh, these verses. What is the condition of my heart toward God? And how does the, 
the actions that I engage in from, time, from day to day, the things that I listen to, the things that I watch, the, things that I, the places that I go, all of these things, how does that diagno uh, diagnose what my heart is like? Flavel goes on, he says, the greatest difficulty in conversion is to win the heart to God. The greatest difficulty after conversion is to keep the heart for God. This is from a work uh, uh, by Flavel uh, uh, called Keeping the Heart. It, it's free on, on, in, on the internet. You can download the Kindle book if you've got a Kindle or anything like that. You can download it for free. It's a wonderful uh, uh, writing. But Flavel draws our attention to the difficulty of keeping the heart. It's it, it, the greatest difficulty after conversion is to keep the heart, just as the greatest difficulty before conversion is to win the heart for God. And so David says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. He knew the priority because he, he could see the wicked around him. He could see the wicked around him. Um, in, uh, in that psalm, he, he says, Lord, that you would slay the wicked. Uh, look at what he says. He, he goes on. He talks about how evil the e wicked are. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. And so on. He says, Do not I hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. And then he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. David is able to look at the wicked and say, Look at where the wicked, the wicked's heart take them. Look at where, what they do with their hands and their feet. Their feet are swift to shed blood. With their mouths they curse. They devour with their hands. He says that's the, what's in their hearts gives expression in their lives. And so David seeing that, he says, help me Lord, because I have the same propensity. We look at, as I, uh, as we're, uh, as I was mentioning earlier in the prayer, as we think about the evil that goes on in our world and the and the proclivity that we see in some people to, to do unspeakable evil. And yet, we have to be serious about what Proverbs is saying, that if we do not ourselves keep the heart, we, we are ourselves capable of serious evil. And it may not be like expressed in the way that Vladimir Putin is doing right now, but it could be simply in gradually becoming more and more worldly by imbibing its opinions through what you read and through what you hear and the places that you go to the point where you begin to harden your heart against God. And even that itself is a, 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 an overwhelming of the heart, a hardening of the heart toward God. That too can become unspeakable evil before God, especially in the light of all that we have known. And that's why he says, keep the heart with all vigilance, for out of it issues the, uh, come the issues of life. How we relate to other people, 
how we relate to God. Our hearts determine whether how we are going to relate to God and whether we are going to be saved. That's why the Bible talks about being given a new heart as an indicator of salvation. It's called the new birth. It's called conversion or regeneration. All of those things which speak about the heart. One person uh, that I was reading drew my attention to the wells of the east. In other, and the, by that I mean the, the wells that people would dig down into the ground. Uh, and, and in the Middle East, water was a scarcity. And so you protected the well. You guarded the well. The well was a very important place. Uh, people, the townspeople, you, you know in this para, the, the story of the Samaritan woman, all the townsfolk would come to the well. Well, she came in the middle of the day because she was so ashamed of herself. She didn't want to talk to all the others. And so, but it was a place where the whole town would go to the well. And so you would have, say, here in Argyle, in Disable or Argyle Shore, you would have a community well. Where, and people would go and, and, uh, and uh, they would get their water for their families. I'm not saying that that's the way it was in Argyle Shore, but I'm simply saying that's the way it was in, uh, in the Middle East, in the places where Jesus lived. There, were, there wasn't like a well in every house, but sometimes there was a community well. And if that well became contaminated then that spelled disaster for the whole community. And so it is with the heart. Out of that well uh, come the quality of our lives, the kind of lives that we will li live. Jesus says that a good man, uh, uh, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. He says again in Matthew 15, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, and blasphemy. Wow. That all issues out of the heart. That's quite a, 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 a list, isn't it? That is, comes out of the heart. Well, the first thing that we must realize and, and come to reckon with, have I been born again? Have I been given a new heart by God? That's why Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must have your heart changed. You must have a new heart. Because Jesus lays out here in no uncertain terms what the human heart is like. What we are capable of doing. And therefore, the, uh, the um, desire on the part of the writer here to say to a son, keep the heart with all vigilance. That's something that we must regularly be reminding our families about, our, our children or our grandchildren. Keep the heart with all vigilance. It's like you're, you're, you're saying to your family, watch over this home. Guard this treasure. I, I put something there. I want you to look after it. Don't take your eye off it. Keep an eye on it. Maybe you're going away and you want somebody to guard your house. And you say, I've, there's, you know, there's some very important things in the house. There was a notice on Facebook. There's a, a Facebook page for Cropo. And uh, I saw yesterday that someone posted that there are robberies going on in Cropo. That four different cars have been hit in the Cropo area. And therefore, warning people, lock your doors. Uh, lock your car doors. Don't leave anything of value in your car. And uh, so it was a warning to, to 
exercise particular dil diligence over your car. Make sure it's locked. Make sure you've not left anything of value in it. But that is a small indicator of what we are to be doing in our lives as a whole. And it draws attention to the importance of your own heart before God. Paul says in Philippians, in a very uh, important passage there, you will remember when we studied Philippians, Philippians 4, um, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, do not be anxious about anything. Anxiety is a a way in which the heart is upset. In which all manner of evil can get into your heart. Anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Again, there's the picture of these soldiers outside the temple and they're standing guard and say, you can't come in here. There's precious treasure in here. There's, there's things of great value in here. You can't get in. And of course, those soldiers have to be fed. We hear a lot about that in the Ukraine where a, so you, the, the Soviet, the Russian soldiers have to be fed with uh, food and their tanks need gas and, uh, and oil and all the rest of it. There needs to be a supply line getting there. And so it is with those guards that stand outside your heart. The peace of God which guards your heart. That they also must be fed. And they're fed through thanksgiving. They're fed through gazing upon Jesus. They're fed through uh, uh, thinking about the provision that God has made. We read about that in Matthew, uh, in Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you, uh, about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? And he goes on, and he therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. How do we keep the heart? By pursuing first and foremost the things of God. How do we dispel anxiety? How do we dispel fear? By putting God first in our lives. Our temptation might be to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, forsake church, forsake Bible study, forsake any of these things for worldly gain. But over time, that simply lets the world take the drivers, uh, assume the driver's seat in our lives and take control of the steering wheel and take us. It, the world begins to take us where we would not go and govern what's in our hearts. But if we give ourselves to the worship of God, to the study of His Word, to the meditation of His Word and thinking about what He has done, 
The peace of God guards our hearts and minds. The peace of God. The peace that God brings. The peace that comes through the blood of the Lamb being reconciled unto God. But then there's the, the peace that is given to us by the Holy Spirit. These are ways in which we keep the heart. But then he goes on to talk about other practical things like the ears and the mouth and so on. It, it, in other words, when he lists these things, he's saying it matters what you listen to. It matters who you give your ear to. It matters where your feet go. It matters how you speak. It matters what you do with your physical body. Because we are putting ourselves in the stream of influence of people. I love what it says about uh, Cornelius and his family in Acts. When they say to Peter, we are all present before God to hear the things that are commanded you of God. In other words, we're ready to listen to the Word of God. That's the first thing, that, that's the greatest thing that we can do with our ears. To hear God's Word. To give these lugs a, a, a regular diet of God's truth in church and in a Bible study or in Christian fellowship. To listen to God. To listen to the Word of God. The Word which is able to make us wise unto salvation. Proverbs 8 says, Blessed is the man who hears me watching daily at my gates. He is somewhere, isn't he? He's in a place. Where is he? He's at the gates of God. He's at the gates of wisdom. He's putting himself there. Waiting at the posts of my doors. Hebrews 2 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So the Bible puts such a, a strong emphasis on hearing, doesn't it? Incline your ear, he says in Isaiah 53. Uh, uh, Come to me and hear, and your soul will live. And so there, in Proverbs 4, and uh, verse 20, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. It matters on a regular basis what we are listening to. The Shorter Catechism says, How is the Word of God to be heard? How is the Word of God to be heard? Isn't that an interesting question to put in the Catechism? How is the Word of God to be heard? With all diligence, preparation, and prayer, receive it with faith and love, lay it up in our hearts, and practice it in our lives. How is the Word of God to be heard? And so he says, it matters what we do with our ears, what we're listening to. And then in verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. In Colossians, on Tuesday night, we're going to be looking at that, uh, letting our words uh, um, uh, be salted with grace. 
Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every person, every man. Our speech, what we say, has a direct impact upon us. One person has said that habits of talk react on the mind. What, what comes out here begins to impact how we think of ourselves. Cynical chatter, grumbles, flippancy. If we're grumbling all the time, it works its way down into our hearts. And it goes back to what he says there, keep the heart with all vigilance. What happens with our mouths affect our heart. Ephesians 4, he says, Let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth, but only as is good for edification according to the need of the moment that you may give grace to those who hear. Then in verse 26, he talks about our, our feet. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Ponder. The Hebrew means clearing away. Make level paths for your feet. That's how John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom of God. Let every hill be leveled. Let every valley be exalted. Make straight paths for your feet. In other words, clear out anything in your life that might be a stumbling block. Consider your, the path of your feet. In chapter 7, uh, the, 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 the foolish man is brought to the house of an adulteress. The same in cha chapter 5. It's where his feet have taken him. Be careful then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so, in a real way, our our hearts are affected by where we choose to go in a real physical way. Where we choose to walk. And what paths are we walking in. Of course, that idea has the idea of a way of life. Your walk of, the, the walk of life. Your, the manner in which you live. But it can also speak, as we've seen many times in the Bible, where people's feet actually take them. And so the whole uh, book of Psalms begin with that very idea. Look at Psalm number 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. That has the idea of our associations. So you walk away from people who are influencing you in a wrong way. It could be at work. It could be at school. It could be wherever. But you're actually physically walking away from them. You're not, you're not having that companionship. You're not allowing them to influence you in that way. He also says, verse 25, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. The eyes. The eyes, Jesus said, is the lamp of the body. If the eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy. 
we've seen in the Bible and so many stories about how the eyes are the inlet, the, the, uh, the, the conduit for evil. Right from the very beginning of the world where Eve looks and she sees the fruit that is able to make her wise. It, her heart is affected by what she sees. We see David rising from his bed and looking over the balcony and peering down and he sees Bathsheba. We see uh, Achan uh, in, in, uh, in the book of, uh, of, of Numbers, in the book of Judges rather. And he sees the treasure and he's, his heart goes out toward it, he says. Through his eyes, he is able to see things that change his heart. How important is that today with our phones, with internet, with all of these things, where at the push of a button we are able to see things that a generation ago people would never have seen. And yet they're there uh, at the click of a button. How much more is this important for us to hear? Let your eyes look directly forward. That means not peering off to places that you ought not to be looking. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Aren't those great words? So Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes that I may not look lustfully at a woman. So it means knowing when to switch off the television. It means knowing when to close the book. Or lower your eyes. Or walk away. And that again is something that uh, is to be done with all vigilance. Because we are guarding the heart. We are guarding our hearts. Which has the potential of determining where we will spend eternal life. So we guard the heart, for out of the heart proceeds all the issues of life. What we need then finally is hearts filled afresh with Christ. Filled with the Gospel. When our hearts are filled with a love for Christ, that drives out all of these other things that would undo us. We fill the heart with Christ. As Thomas Chalmers, the great Scottish preacher, said, he talked about the power, the expulsive power of a new affection. The, in other words, when Christ gets into the soul, He expels the unhealthy things that would ruin our hearts, that would war against our souls. And so we fill our hearts afresh on a regular basis with the Word of God. And so coming to church is a matter of diligence, a matter of vigilance over the heart. You're going to church for many reasons to learn, to worship, but you're also wanting to keep your heart in a right state by, as you fill it with the, the love of Christ. As we were seeing this morning, the, the, the suffering that Jesus went through for you. And when you think about that, when you appreciate that, it drives out any sense of anxiety. Lord, am I going to have enough of this? 
Lord, I'm worried about where my life is going to take me here and what's going to happen over there. I worry, worry, worry. But then once you get a sense of the cross and all that Jesus went through, that expels that. That's why the preaching of the Gospel is so important from this pulpit on a regular basis because it expels all the unhealthy things from our hearts. What you're doing when you're hearing the Gospel is you're keeping the heart with all diligence. And you can't do that without the Gospel. You can't do that without Christ. That's why Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And so we need a regular diet week after week of the Gospel. We need to be preaching the Gospel. In fact, I think it was last week that Candy had in the bulletins uh, uh, the idea of preaching the Gospel to yourself. It was a a very helpful uh, 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 um, little section. But that is the way in which we keep the heart. It's directly tied to uh, the health of our hearts and lives. And so Jesus, who died for us, claims us, every part of us, from head to toe, the heart, the ears, the feet, the mouth, every part of us, He claims all of that. And so, that portion of Scripture we began with from the Romans chapter 12, I appeal therefore to you brothers by the mercies of God, Notice there's the the urgency again on the part of Paul. In light of all that you have heard about the Gospel, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Just like the, the writer of Proverbs says, keep the heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. Present your bodies a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let's pray. Lord, we give thanks for this time of worship this evening and pray that you would help us. Lord, we know ourselves uh, as the Puritan of old said that, that the heart is the hardest thing to win and it's the hardest thing to keep. So Father, help us day by day in the things that we watch on the internet and television and movies, Netflix, whatever it may be, Lord, that we would guard our eyes and our ears. Help us at work or school, the friends, the colleagues that we surround ourselves with, that we would not let what they say influence the direction of our hearts. Help us, Lord, that when we speak, we might hear ourselves saying wonderful words to one another, that, Lord, our own words may influence the... the, uh, direction of our hearts and the health of our hearts. Help us not to be speaking despondently, grumblingly, cynically, but help us to speak, Lord, praise with our lips, with our mouth, unto you. Father, continue with us in the remainder of this night. In the name of Jesus, amen.